Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Monday, August 30th. That's Arm Laden. I'm Peter Apple. Normally you see Jack's buttery, velvety voice welcoming you on a Monday. And apparently I'm the guy that's too exciting on a Monday. But, and I, I was going to say, you know what, maybe I should take it easy. You know what? No, I'm fired up. It's Monday. I'm ready to roll. We have a huge mailbag episode today and you're wearing a Bryn Sanity shirt. Of course, I've got it for the people on YouTube right now. You can you can see it. But if if you're not on YouTube, just imagine a Time magazine cover and then Lewis Brinson just hitting a bomb on it because that's what he's been doing uh, this year a little bit more than can he you, did in the past. Can you take us through your relationship with Lewis Brinson? Because I personally and you know this for me, he's been pretty bad his entire career. Very but I, there's always a side of me that thinks that he could still be good. He's jacked. He has a baseball body of all baseball bodies. He can really hit lefties. He's super athletic. He's fast. He's strong, but he just doesn't really hit the ball sometimes. But then sometimes he goes on crazy tears. That's why the Brent Sanity shirt is being worn. Yeah. I, honestly, though, <laughs> it's funny because he is uber talented. Like you said, like, I mean, this guy was a top prospect for a reason. He's got every tool you can imagine, but he just has not had the plate discipline and just can't hit at the big league level. I don't really think he's like a piece for the Marlins. <laughs> Give me the timeline. Give me the timeline of when you got Brinson. To oh now. my God. So well, the, when the Marlins first made the Yelich trade, I don't know if you remember, like everybody was saying, Oh my God, the Brewers gave up so much just for Yelich. Yeah. Brewers fans were replying like, what the hell for, for Yelich? Like, what is this? And I remember I looked at the return. I was like, this is a big return because they got, it was three top 100 guys plus another decent pitching prospect in Jordan Yamamoto. So I was like, perfect. Brinson can start in the big leagues right away. Like we'll see how it goes. And he got up there and just could not hit. He hit, he hit 199 in 109 games in that first Mm. season. And and it's been bad since then. He's still a 199 career hitter in the big leagues now in 313 games. Uh, Mm. So it's been bad. The baseball body thing is great, but you know, (laughs) and, and I see it and I'm like, this guy needs to be sick. But at the end of the day, like, you can't steal first base and Lewis Brinson is, is struggling with that. That being said, he went on a crazy run and people were going nuts, myself included, just because everybody had given up on him already. He's a great dude. So I'm all in on just getting amped up about it, but I think mm-hmm. he's already cooling off again. So uh, this shirt had a very short shelf life, but I'm still going to rock it until the end of time. And I don't know if Lewis Brinson's going to be a Marlin next year. So uh, I'm just going to enjoy the last few months with my man and uh, turn the page. 
enjoy it while you can. We have a huge episode today. We have a bunch of questions that we asked on our Instagram, posted a picture, said, ask all the questions and we'll answer it on this Instagram mailbag. Usually we call it a TikTok mailbag. Should we just call it the mailbag episode? The Instagram that, yes. mailbag episode? It's just the mailbag. The mailbag. The mailbag Monday. It's bringing in stuff from all different different angles now. I love it. We might even get some YouTube mailbag questions down the line here, right? Like this is this is good stuff. And if you're listening on Apple Pods or Spotify, we are also on YouTube, just baseball media. Search us up. You can watch all the podcasts there, all the Twitch stuff, and we'll be releasing a bunch of other baseball videos on there. So definitely go subscribe to the YouTube. So Arm, let's just break into it because we have a bunch of questions and they're wide ranging all over baseball. We got mascot questions. We have random fighting questions. And of course, we have some free agency stuff. We have some playoff predictions. We have some prospects stuff. We're covering everything in the mailbag episode. So let's start with, and I, I'd like to start with Javier Reyes, who is another contributor who has been on the podcast a bunch of times, but he decided he wanted to ask a question himself. And we're very glad he did because the question itself is kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> would you rather have the courage of Amir Garrett to fight 50 people at once or the seemingly nonstop energy of Hunter Pence? So I know we're going to have two totally different answers. <laughs> For me, I, I need the Hunter Pence energy really badly. I, I spend way too much money on coffee every day to, to have any semblance of that. So the amount of money I would save on coffee, especially now in New York, bro, like yep. people pay six bucks for a cup of coffee here. It's ridiculous. It's unbelievable. And you know what? I'm one of those people. I'm a chump. I'm a chump. Yeah. I pay six bucks and I'll get two coffees. It's $12 a day on coffee. It's ridiculous. If I have I mean, that Hunter Pence ability, no, no money on coffee. That's it for me. It's a no brainer. I will also, you know what? That was a perfect answer. I'm taking Hunter Pence's as well because, you know, Amir Garrett, it is kind of badass. He is badass that he went and just got, went and fought an entire dugout in a brawl, but he didn't necessarily win. And if yeah. that included, like I have Amir Garrett's energy plus the talent of a UFC fighter. Maybe we're having a different discussion, but give me Hunter Pence's energy. Also, you want to save money on coffee? I think the Keurig is the way to go. I have a Keurig. I buy the pods, but I also just like kind of hate it. I, I like I like coffee from a an actual cafe or is that bougie of me? I do like no, it. I, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Coffee is like I look forward to it. Me too. I look it's forward a treat. And Everyone knows about my iced coffee. Something about it coming out of a plastic pod where I'm I'm just thinking this isn't that good. Even if it is good, it, it just came out of a plastic pod and I made it myself. It's, it, I didn't do anything. It, it can't be that good. Think that, about that's this. That's how I feel. Doesn't it feel like when you're putting a pod in the Keurig, it's almost like ugh, starting the day versus like, oh, I have like a nice coffee. Like now that's it's like it's, my day's almost, it's different. That That's how I feel. And, and I feel like I'm getting something here that maybe worth a few bucks, but not six. That's the not difference. Six. six. That's criminal. So I actually love the question. I think we're both going with the nonstop energy of Hunter Pence, but off of those questions and into some baseball, more baseball-y questions from on Instagram at Braden.Odom asks, if Carlos Correa doesn't re-sign with the Astros, who do you think are the front runners to sign him? This is a great question because great question. I frankly, like full disclosure in the beginning, I have no idea. But right. we can we can speculate, right? Of course. This is That's this is the do. safe. This is some of the few areas in life, as we talked about with this with Jack in the last episode, where it's okay to speculate. It's really fun to speculate in these areas. And uh, 
honestly, the Yankees make a ton of sense. I just, with the whole storyline and the narrative there, I would hate that. I, I not because so. I don't want the Yankees to get Correa on paper. It makes sense, but I don't think they're going to do that for obvious reasons. I think Corey Seager is a much better option. Yeah, much get better another option. lefty. And you know, with the Houston, optics wise. Thing, I doubt. Yeah. Optics. Even I think if the Yankees, the Yankees, I mean, as a Yankee fan myself, I'd prefer if we don't get Carlos Correa, I'd prefer Corey Seager, not just because, well, first, just, I just think Corey Seager is a better shortstop, but I'd prefer him long-term. Yeah. But, that's and, and you can make the argument. I think you could make the argument that Carlos Correa is better. I just personally like Corey Seager. And then the optics, like you were saying with Yankee fans dealing with the Houston stuff, I don't think I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of all Yankee fans. I, even though maybe I shouldn't, but I am, I don't want him. I just, yeah, that's I, I, not I, the fit for us. I, I totally, I totally agree. And you know, there's already some big personalities in that, in that clubhouse. I feel like Corey Seager is a much more low key personality, not as much of the guy that's going to just throw in another wrench into the, the whole situation there. You mentioned the left-handed bat. I think that's really important. He's not doing great since he came back from the injury, but I mean, Mm-mm. I'm not too worried about Corey Seager and, and his offensive ability moving forward. World Series MVP. And he, yeah. he when the lights turn on, he gets even better. That's what I love about it, him. That, I, and that's really big for New York, right? How do you handle that? But exactly. to look at some other teams for yeah. Correa, I, I, of course, would love to see the Marlins pony up and pay. There have been stories that tie the Marlins into interest with him and with the new TV deal, maybe they'll do it. I doubt it. I don't see that happening either. I just had to throw that like, oh, I hope to, to goodness that it would happen, but I don't Wouldn't think be so. shocked. You know, I would, I would be, I wouldn't be like absolutely unbelievably shocked because I think this, this ownership needs to make a gesture here that like, Hey, we're trying to win. Now we have the pitching already. Let's do something. But I just would be more surprised from the aspect of them actually deciding to spend that money. So Agreed. I don't know about them. I could really you know see- what a team I'm looking at. Who the Detroit Tigers, I think, have an outside shot. AJ Hinch, his old manager. The Tigers don't really have a shortstop, and they don't really have a shortstop prospect that's as close as like a Spencer Torkelson or a Riley Green, and they have a lot of pitchers. You know, that's a good one. I, 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 I like that. They, they, they got to pay somebody, right? And they're, they're, they're competitive this year. They may be closer than a lot of people think. I think the Tigers might have an outside shot at Carlos Correa. I don't think that's a bad one. Because a team like them, too, like they realized their, their rebuild is a little bit further ahead than they thought. And right? you mentioned Torkelson. You mentioned Riley Green. They're going to be there, I think, next year. Torkelson could be there right now. Right yeah, this second, like he just hit a game tying home run in the ninth yesterday. Just he breaks. He's unreal. He, even his takes are easy, and that's a whole. We 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 green. We know how good green is too. I think when we are looking at these these guys now in that system, the talent that they've already been able to put together now at the big league level, the young guys, that would make them a complete team and kind of help them take that next step. And they'd still be fighting for a wild card spot, but they'd, that would expedite everything. And remember, Correa is young too. He's still well inside of 30 years old. So he's he still got a lot of time to kind of wait this out. You could give him seven years and, and be good with it. But I, I wonder how many teams are really going to be lining up to, to pay Correa in this market. And what other teams do you really feel like would go out and pay? I look at the Cardinals 
That's yeah. one other team. I don't know how much they're willing to pay, but the Cardinals are clearing up money. They're going to have Matt Carpenter off the books, who's making 18 million. They're going to have Carlos Martinez off the books, who's making 12 plus, I believe, maybe even more than that. So they're going to clear up some money here. And maybe that's the target for them because Paul DeYoung's been terrible. You know, another team, I like the Cardinals. I mean, imagine that infield with Nolan Arenado, Carlos Correa, Tommy Edmond, and Paul Goldschmidt. That's, that's pretty And, and one pretty more year good. of Yachty behind the dish. That's pretty good. And um, I also look at the Phillies as possibly an option. Dave Dombrowski, he'll buy. He'll buy, he'll buy anything. Yes. And um, considering D. Gregorius is okay defensively, he's just not that great offensively. He's around league average. And he's been I struggling to help right there. I agree. I think Carlos Cray, you place him in there. Um, I think that makes their team a lot better. And I think that it's a major upgrade at a position that maybe not a lot of fans think that they might need, but we think that. Carlos Gray would be an incredible upgrade over D.D. Gregorius. Yeah, I think fans at that point are, are starting to realize that, too. I, I'm just curious what the finances look like for the Phillies, who seem to be squeezing pennies to extend Real Muto. I wonder right. how much they'll be able to spend. But if they if they are willing to do that and they're able to do that, that would maybe put them over the top. You, we keep thinking that there's something that's going to put them over the top, but they just can't solve that bullpen. And uh, it, it would be a cool spot for him too. I would be happy with St. Louis. I'd be, I would love Detroit. I think that's the best scenario and Philadelphia. I'd rather him not, but th- that would be pretty cool too. <laughs> and next question, talking about another slugger on Instagram at row of the boat asks, Paul Goldschmidt has had a super underrated and unlucky season. Where does he rank for you guys? I'm assuming, I guess, kind of where do you slot him in among the other first basemen in the league? Yeah, that's, it's a good question because I've always been a huge Paul Goldschmidt fan. Uh, His career in St. Louis wasn't off to as good of a start as I think most would have hoped, but he really turned it around over the last season and a half. And with what he brings to the table in terms of hitting for average, hitting for power, good ABs, he walks, he plays good defense at first. He's surprisingly very athletic. He almost has 200 career stolen bases, I believe, or at least well over 100. Yeah, he's he's got speed. Um, he he's just a good dynamic player. He's in the tier one there for first baseman, no doubt about it. And I think at this point, you could make the case of him being pretty close to the top five top six first baseman in the league. I agree. And he's 33 years old. I mean, I think we're probably starting to see not the decline of Paul Goldschmidt. The tail end of that prime, I think. I agree. He's still having a good season. I mean, he's hitting 287, 353 on base, 479 slugging. He's still got 21 bombs, 10 stolen bases. He's OPSing at 831. And if you look at his baseball savant page, it's all red. Yeah, it's all red, which is good. That's good stuff. Exactly. That is good. The average exit velocity, the hard hit, the expected weighted on base average, the expected batting average slugging. They're either in the 94th or 95th percentile. And then you look at his hit chart. He's still spraying the ball all over the field. He's got a batting average on ball and balls in play around 350, um, which is a little bit um, lower than I think. Um, So I guess that's why they might be thinking that he's getting a little bit unlucky, but he's definitely hitting the ball hard. I wouldn't say that this is a crazy unlucky season, though, for him. 
Yeah, I don't see the unlucky thing as much unless there's some day-to-day things that we're missing here. I, I don't think he's been that unlucky. The the BABIP difference maybe is a little bit lower than normal, meaning that maybe the average could be a few ticks higher. But he's swinging the bat well. He's hitting for power, like you said. I, I don't think there's anything too unlucky. But I do, I do agree that it's not being discussed that much in terms of, of what he's doing. Not that it's this prolific season, but... I was even a little bit surprised recently when I checked back in on the numbers. I was like, he's doing better than I thought he was. I knew he was doing well, but I thought he was doing not that. I didn't think he was doing that well because we're not seeing or hearing about him that much. I think yeah. it's because the Cardinals are kind of lying in the weeds, uh, floating between and being in the race and out of the race. And uh, it, it's just kind of one of those seasons. And he's just not really getting that much attention, but he's doing really well, I think, this year. And uh, part of the reason why this Cardinals team's even been able to stick around now towards the end here and it's funny maybe his stats look better might look better across the board if he was walking more because yeah. he's walking at the lowest percentage of his entire career maybe the, if that on base is closer to the 380 we're used to you know yeah. that then that Absolutely. ops creeps up even more the wrc plus creeps up i mean all these advanced stats they love walks and he's walking at the lowest rate of his career so that's just something to note being more more aggressive this year. And that's why we're seeing the power come back a little bit more than we've seen in the past. But with that, we saw it with Joey Votto too. Power goes up. We know what's going to happen. You're going to walk a little bit less. And surprisingly, Goldschmidt's not striking out more than he normally does. It's just the walks are less. So you wonder if he's just, if he's just swinging a bit more frequently in those hitters counts, whereas before he was more comfortable taking pitches and, and walking. But I think if you're going to sacrifice a little bit of a walk rate for the production you're getting from Goldschmidt right now, you, you'll take it and run. And uh, the, the Cardinals got to be happy with what they're getting from the 33 year old. I agree. I mean, we, we still, and when you, I guess if we had to end it with where he ranks, we had him at four on our top 10 first baseman a couple months ago. I think that's still probably where he's at. I mean, we had Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at five and it was on the basis that he just needs to continue to prove it because we were also obviously looking at track record as well. And he was having the best offensive season out of any first baseman. So we moved him all the way up to five considering he was so young. But now I think we can kind of, you know, maybe Vladdy is a little bit better. So maybe then now Goldschmidt ranks closer to the five, six ish range, which I mean, he's still an elite first baseman and still one of the better first basemen in baseball. So we have the next question. And this is a good one because this is a team that a bunch of people have been asking about at JD underscore two, six, two, two asks where do the Mariners finish? And it's interesting because the Mariners have actually exceeded a lot of expectations. They didn't show up on our top 10 surprises because we thought the Mariners would be yeah. pretty good. It was yeah. our top 10 surprises list. And we thought that the Mariners would be okay. We, we probably didn't think that at this point they would be fourth in the wild card race. They're five and a half back of the second wild card spot right behind Oakland ahead of the Toronto Blue Jays. Because if I told you that's surprising, if I had told you at the beginning of the year that at this point on August 30th, the Seattle Mariners would be ahead of the Toronto Blue Jays in the wild card rankings, what would you have said? I, I would have been shocked. And if you added and the Blue Jays would have gotten Jose Barrios at the deadline, Good point. I, I would I would laugh at you. I would have laughed at you. And not that's more so because of the Blue Jays. I think the Mariners, we knew they were going to be good, but good meaning they'll win 80 plus games. Maybe right. that's like what I was thinking. They'll compete. They're not going to I, be I thought they'd be competitive. Yeah. 
500 right around it, maybe a game or two below. I thought they'd float around and fade. That's the big thing is usually a young team like that. You get towards those meaningful games in September and they start to fade. We're about to get there. They haven't really fully faded yet. And that's where I'm surprised if they finish really well down the stretch here. I would be surprised. Frankly, I think they're going to slow down a little bit. Part of the problem is you're playing Jared Kalnick every day. And, and I think Kalnick's going to be a really, really good player. He's hurting but more than helping right now. He, he had a good game the other day. And, and I know when, when I say something like this and then he has two hits, you're like, see, they, he helped him win. Yeah. I, I get that. But we still on, a mac- be good. on a macro scale, right? You know, like he's he's not helping them. He's he's hitting in like 150. He's really struggling to, to get on base consistently. Uh, he's almost just a walking ground out right now. And I think when you're dealing with that in your lineup every single day, you're holding yourself back a bit. And the Mariners are okay with that because they're looking at his development. And I think certain, certain things like that are going to affect them. You know, Abraham Toro has been swinging it great since the trade. He's still a young guy. Is, is he going to continue to do that down the stretch here? If Kelnick turns it around, I think they could finish strong, but I'm expecting them to fade a little bit and finish a few games over 500 or maybe even just 500 uh, once it's all said and done, which I think is still a great outcome for them this season. I agree. I think they're going to finish around 84 and 78. Right now, they're 69 and 61. So that means for the rest of the stretch, they'd go, they'd play around 500 ball, maybe a couple of games below. And the reason why I have them at that projection, they have 32 games left in their schedule. 16 of those games are against the Astros, the A's, and the Red Sox. Yeah. Now there's a couple Diamondbacks series, Angels series thrown in the Royals. So they could win a couple of games, but they also have some tough competition down the stretch. And the problem with the Mariners, it's not really the pitching and it's not really the bullpen. It's the offense. Yeah. I mean, you talked about Jared Kelnick. I mean, Toro's Toro's been fine, but if we're looking at it over a full season, they're 23rd in runs and in OPS, they're ranked 27th. That's not a playoff team. No. Like you can't have an offense. You would have to have the Brewers pitching or the Dodgers pitching or the White Sox pitching to be a, a wild card contender, but you're just, they just don't have that. They do have good pitching and they have really good young stars. And we even said like a couple or not a couple episodes. That was like a month or two ago. Now we have the Mariners having the best farm system in all of baseball. And we think that in five years, they could be a top five team, but I think they're just a little bit ahead of the curve right now. And not that they're playing in over their heads, but it's almost like that because I think they're farther along across their development than I think a lot of people in that organization might have thought they would be. That's why I think Kendall Graveman was traded. Exactly. Exactly. And, and Graveman, that move on the surface, people are like, what are they doing? Like, they're in a hunt. And, and I get that. But exactly. That was almost reinforcing that the Mariners know exactly where they're at. They still went and got somebody in Castillo that's going to help them in the in the bullpen. But now he's controllable for several more seasons than Graveman was Five at the same time. Yeah. At the same time, they, they were like, OK, let's cash in on Graveman here. Odds are we're not going to the World Series. He's and and it'll make sense in a little bit is basically what, what DePoto said. And, and it all did make sense. But right now, again, this is a team that going into the year, they're exceeding their expectations a little bit, but for a lot of people and, and what people thought they were going to do because of the fact that Kyle Seeger all of a sudden is more of an impact bat hitting 30 home runs for them. JP Crawford having the best offensive season of his career for a big stretch. Both those guys have tailed off a bit, but 
having them make these big leaps uh, back to what they were supposed to be doing a whole long, that was something that the Mariners weren't really focused on because it's always just been the development. So having some of those veterans doing better than you thought, that's really helped them as well. Ty France absolutely rakes and he's been doing that all year too. Does rake. So he, he just, he's a hit machine. So I think with some of those veterans doing better, even Jake Fraley, when he was on the Mitch field, better. keeps hitting home runs. Exactly. Mitch Hanniger's a stud. So those guys, not all of them are going to be a part of the future and they helped them this year to float around. This is really valuable experience for their young guys, for Jared Kelnick to get these at bats uh, down the stretch here for Ty France, for these pitchers to pitch in meaningful games. That's going to really help. But at the end of the day, you have veteran teams like the Astros, the A's, like you mentioned in the Red Sox, the latter two really need to make a push here uh, as we go down the stretch of the, of the season. And they're going to be playing veterans that are really trying to win now that have been there before. And that's where I could see the Mariners either play with nothing to lose or fade a little bit. And I'm just afraid it might be a little bit more in the latter. So I got them at 84 and 78. What do you have them at? I'm going to have them at, at I'm going to go oof, 84 and 78. I'm going to go 81 and, and 81. So you think over the, I mean, they're eight games above 500 right now. So you have them probably playing close to eight games below 500 for the remaining 32 games. I think they're going to slide a little bit. I think it's fair. I don't think it's that out of the question. I mean, I wouldn't, I also wouldn't be shocked if they end up winning, you know, 88 games this year, but still ended up missing out on the playoffs. I wouldn't be shocked. It's a possible outcome. I just, I see you say Kikuchi struggling all of a sudden. He's hit a bit of a wall. Logan Gilbert, I think he's going to be great, but he's hit a bit of a wall. Justin Dunn now out for the season. I just think some of those guys, it's going to catch up to them a little bit. And again, nothing, it's not an indictment on the Mariners. It's just more so this magical season where they have a negative 60 run differential and they're having this many games about 500 so far is going to catch up to them a little bit. I agree. Next question is a perfect one for you by at Aiden dot Penner. Many analysts have mixed rankings on the Cubs farm system. It is pretty true. How do you guys feel the farm system is and what will the major league team look like in five years? I mean, Brendan Davis is your guy. Yeah. Brendan Davis better be there. (laughs) Brendan Davis will be hopefully in the big leagues in the next year. And I love whatever I, whatever I mentioned that question, you instantly just, perk up smile. I'm tired. I'm so tired right now too. And I'm just like Brendan Davis, that that, (laughs) that's my Hunter Pence energy, but we we know where, where I stand on Brendan Davis. So don't need to talk too much about him, but what I think they did at this deadline, with their system, I thought they did a really good job to, to be able to replenish this system. Yes, it's unfortunate that they had to trade all of these players, but to get Pete Crow Armstrong for Javi Baez, I mean, that really boosts your system, right? That's somebody that was just drafted in the first round. Yes, he's on the shelf. He got hurt. I liked what we saw in a handful of games from him before that. He is a really exciting young outfielder. That helps your system a lot. You add in Jordan Wicks, who they just drafted. I loved that pick for them uh, in the 2021 draft. Miguel Amaya is a good catching prospect. Braylon Marquez has been on the shelf. And this is the reason why I think people are mixed on the system is somebody like Marquez lefty throws 101, 102, but he's been hurt, has some questions as to whether he can stick in the rotation. That's a polarizing prospect. Alexander Canario, he comes over in this trade, has been a menace, absolutely incredible since the trade. Some aren't as sold that he's going to be able to continue doing that. I know Jack McMullen is after Mm -hmm. he saw him play a little bit, and he's a big Canario guy. So those polarizing guys, I think, are are the reason why we see some mixed reviews. 
I like all the moves that they made overall to add Pete Crow Armstrong to that system, to see Ed Howard start to make strides uh, at the yeah. plate. Kevin Alcantara, who has, we know the upside that that guy has. I know there's Over a wide him. range of outcomes, but that's Him someone in the that, Rizzo deal. He's yeah, good. He's a good, he's a good prospect for the Yankees. I was actually, when I saw his name included, I was like, uh, that's why we got Rizzo because exactly. Calvin it, Alcantara is a good prospect. Exactly. And, and he, I mean, he, he's crazy. He's six, four, six, five with crazy tools. Yes. Yeah. It, it, there's a wide range of outcomes, but that is somebody with a ton of upside that you add to the system. So to have those guys added in there, they also got Caleb Killian in the, in the Chris Bryant deal, who has been really good this year. Canario can make a push to top 100. Some of these other guys can make a push into the top 100. I, I think this is a top, top 10 system in baseball now. And that's probably a hotter take, but I think it is after those moves that they made and some of the progress that we've seen from some of their prospects. I agree. I think it's at, I think it's probably at the tail end of the top 10, probably 10 yeah. or nine, but I think it's still a top 10 system. Like you said, it's really deep now. It is just great deeper now. And there's a, there's a lot of systems that are pretty top heavy and I prefer a deeper system. I mean, we even saw with the Yankees this year, the Yankees didn't have really the top heavy system, but it was really deep. And they had a lot of good players who took that next leap. Maybe the Cubs we see next year could do the same thing. And I think another, not exactly a prospect they got, but for in the Craig Kimball trade, they got Cody Hewer from the White Sox, who's going to be a really valuable back-end bullpen piece for the Cubs for at least a decent amount of time. The, the prospect I'm always interested in, Little League World Series is still going on. Ed Howard, Jackie Robinson West, Little League. Became a legend in the League World Series, drafted to his hometown Cubs. What do you think about him? Because right now he's not the top ranked shortstop. They actually have Christian Hernandez, who's a 17 year old. Yeah. Um, who I, I don't really know much about, but I guess MLB Pipeline ranks him very high. But Ed Howard is ranked seventh in their system. He doesn't really get on base and he's not hitting for a very high average and he's not really slugging at all. But do you see a bright future for him or what do you think? Yeah, no, I love the Ed Howard discussion because the story there is awesome, too. And that's somebody that I would love to see be the shortstop for the Cubs for the love next it. decade. Right. It's too cool. I mean, he would be he would be an icon there. I think that he could be that guy, but it would be because of this Chicago story that would make him the icon, because I don't think he'll ever be an impact like perennial all-star that being said, I do think he could be a really solid big league shortstop and he's starting to show signs of life. I think what people don't realize, and it's because this is, it feels like a while ago, the 2020 season when he was drafted, we hadn't, we didn't have the 2020 season, of course. So this is his first professional year. He was also one of the youngest high schoolers in that draft. He's still 19 years old. He's 19 years old. So first pro season, He's 19. Yes, I was hoping that he'd be better, but he's starting to show signs of life. He's been hitting well over the last couple of weeks, and I think he's finally making some tweaks. He made a big adjustment with his swing from senior year of high school to his first year of pro ball, where he used to be all arms and really similar to Brennan Davis made those adjustments he needed to make. I think he's starting to get there. And even if the bat is average, he's a really good defender. He's an above average runner. I think he's a smart player too. He'll be a good big league shortstop. I just don't know if he's going to be an all-star, but I do think he's going to figure it out enough at the plate. His swing is simple enough. I think it's more just getting the experience and, and he will. I agree. So overall, I think we both would agree. The Cubs did at least pretty well. The only trade that I didn't think they got enough for was Chris Bryant, but I think overall yeah, that, they did a very good job at the deadline. That one and was surprising, overall, but Mario yeah, all of a sudden looks like a potential top 100 guy now. So maybe there was a value of Canario that, 
these two teams saw. And that's, he was more of a piece than maybe we thought he was because he, he has been spectacular since the deal. The, the one deal I didn't love has aged the best. Immediately. Yeah. It's funny. So and, but that it's is, also that is the good thing. It's, it's aged well for the Cubs, but also Chris Bryant. Oh yeah. Is raking for the giants. I, I think that's kind of why also, cause I've been watching, I mean, you as the newest giants fan, <laughs> I've been watching a bunch of giants games and just watching Chris Bryant continually come up, getting hits in the right spots. So I, uh, for me, it's like whatever prospect they get, like they got screwed because Chris Bryan is raking for the Giants and he might win a World Series this year. Um, yeah. So we have another we have another question from at Big Nate two one four four, and we'll kind of this is kind of a two parter because it involves some predictions as well. So once the Yankees get Corey Kluber back, who is due to come back Monday today and potentially Luis Severino back. He's a little bit farther out than I think we think. Are they your team to come out of the AL and who is your NL team to make the world series? So I guess let's start kind of with the Yankees. Gio Urshela just returned back from injury. Glaber is, is doing his rehab and he'll be back soon. Corey Kluber is slated to start today. Severino, he had a setback in rehab. The uh, Everything that Aaron Boone is saying makes me nervous because it doesn't seem like any of them want to make a decision. I don't know if he's really going to be a valuable piece come playoff time. I don't know if they're going to have the time to stretch him out. I really don't think he's going to be in that rotation. I think there's a possibility he comes out of the bullpen and stretches, but as a Yankee fan, I would just assume Luis Severino is just not going to be there. And if he is, it's only a plus because you look at the rotation right now. Garrett Cole might win the Cy Young. He's my guy. James and Tyon has been excellent this year. Jordan Montgomery has been excellent this year. Luis Heal is really starting to prove something. And then you put Corey Kluber in that rotation. It's good. It's good. Kluber is the X factor for me. Absolutely. is for, for this team is one of my X factors because you go through that rotation. It's solid, but I would much rather rely on a veteran Corey Kluber who's healthy than Luis heel in the postseason. not an indictment to heal, but I've been amazed by what he's done. I mean, he is looking really good. Like you said, but come on, we're, we're going to Kluber here, right? In a position where, you want to win a postseason ball game. So that is huge too. When Kluber's been on the field this year, we know he's got it in the tank. I mean, right? He threw a freaking no hitter. He's got it in the freaking tank. No hitter. It's just he's got to stay healthy. And let's see how the Yankees manage him. In the postseason, you don't need to go nine innings, right? Most of these guys go five and you, you give way to the bullpen. If Kluber can give five good innings to this Yankees team every fifth day, that is going to change a lot because of what the Yankees have been able to do offensively. I've been really amazed by uh, the improvements that they've made in the bullpen overall too, because that's my big issue is the bullpen. I thought there was no way they were going to solve it, frankly, without making a big move. It's working right now. The overall bullpen ERA, if I'm not mistaken, it's good. It's I mean, just Clay Holmes, how do you end big it? addition. How do you end the game, right? Like yeah. that's the problem right now because Chapman's been bad. I know you're out on Britain, which I don't blame you. Loizaga has been, I mean, you guys don't have Loizaga. This is a totally different situation. I agree. Right? He's been phenomenal this he, year. He's got to be the closer, right? So but I, the thing is, listen to this. I still am giving the ninth inning to Chapman. It's still his. At what point are you done? And if he, if he blows another game in the playoffs, playoffs? like a big, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't even know if there will, when he starts not throwing a hundred miles an hour, like if we're dealing with a Chapman, like a, like, and it's almost similar to Britain. This is why I'm out on Britain. Britain went from throwing a 97 mile an hour sinker. Now it's 91, 92. It's a completely different pitch, completely yeah. different pitcher. Chapman relies a lot on his fastball. He throws it over a hundred miles an hour. When I see him coming into the game, throwing 94, 95, I'm automatically, all right, we're going to lose this game. He's going to blow it. But yeah. when he comes in, throwing a hundred, 101 with the slider and the splitter. He still looks unhittable and he still does the job. Sometimes he walks a lot of guys, but I still think when it all comes down to it, Chapman is going to show up. Clay Holmes has been fantastic. Lucas Litke has been fantastic. You mentioned Loisica. Chad Green is still there and he's still good. The bullpen is good enough. And then maybe you put a Luis Severino back there when he comes back. That bullpen is good enough to bounce off that starting rotation. And then with that offense, so arm who you got winning the world series, what's your world series matchup. So I am really getting more optimistic on the Yankees. I will fully admit that, especially because I love the, the offensive additions, of course, and uh, we're seeing it come together. And Urshela is somebody that I'm super high on. So to have him back, that's one of my favorite low key guys, quote unquote, I know he's a Yankee, so he's not low key, but relative. Mm-hmm. He's relatively, relatively low key on the Yankees. Yeah. And to his performance, I mean, he's really valuable for me. It's just who's going to close out those games. That's what really worries me. But what, where I go from the AL, I just, I don't see how the White Sox uh, don't win it. I I still am leaning White Sox. I think the Yankees are going to give them a push. And I think the White Sox pitching is going to prevail. And what I also believe may stand out here is I could see Aaron Boone getting outmanaged by Tony La Russa in the postseason. When we get into the bullpen management, into the chess matches, La Russa is really, and I I didn't love the hiring for other reasons, but now that they've been able to sustain the regular season, the White Sox with La Russa and get over some of the internal things that happened, he is good in the postseason and he is good at managing a bullpen. And I believe he could actually be a big factor here as we go down the stretch. Luis Roberts been raking since he came back. Eloy has been raking since he came back. They add Craig Kimbrell to that bullpen on top of Liam Hendricks. This is going to be the hardest team to beat, in my opinion. I think they're beatable, but I'm going to go White Sox out of the AL. And then as long as Freddie Peralta comes back, give me Brewers out of the NL. As Jeff Conine always says, and I'm with him on this one, three stud pitchers. Now that offense is is looking pretty legit. Yelich showing signs of life. Give me the Brewers. I, I think it could be White Sox Brewers, and that would be a lot of fun. So listen to this. I, at the beginning of the year, I, first of all, I love that prediction. White Sox Brewers, I think that's really solid. My thing is here. I picked Yankees Dodgers at the beginning of the year, and I'm just going to stick with it because I don't want to. I don't want to go back on a prediction. But if I had to change it, because. Do I really think that the Yankees are going to make the World Series? I think they're a really good team. I think they're going to be that first wild card. I think they're going to win it, but I don't. I still don't know if they're going to make the World Series. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they did, though. Like, in which, which is a big change from where. Oh we my were god! At, right, a month ago I was saying they should sell. Yeah. Um, so, but I really do think. I think out of the AL, I think the Tampa Bay Rays have a real shot. I agree. And I think they're going to face the Dodgers who have the best roster 
I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. The Rays know how to get it done. They're going to pitch. They're gonna, The bullpen's going to be good. The defense is going to be we good. we got a rematch. We're running it back, maybe. And if we're talking coaching, Kevin Cash, that all the men, they know what they're doing. I know they took out Blake Snell, and that's what ruined it. But that was in the World Series. Maybe they've learned from their mistakes. I mean, the they got always get it done. Right. And then the Astros are the other team in the American League, which I'm very nervous about. Their offense, now that Kyle Tucker, Alex Bregman are back. I mean, they're just loaded. And they're pitching. And they're pitching Verlander. I don't know if Verlander's coming back. I'm also hearing a lot of mixed signals. I don't know. I I heard September. Then I heard possibly playoffs. Now I'm hearing they aren't sure. I don't know. I really don't know. How cool would that be if he just came in? I know you don't like the Astros. Most people don't. But if Verlander came back and shoved, that would be pretty cool. It would be exciting. Not cool. I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, good for Verlander. But I would. it would be like good for baseball because this just makes the entire landscape much more exciting. Verlander. Verlander was also one of the guys who just didn't apologize and like didn't care and didn't do anything. I don't like him. I don't need a reason, <laughs> but, but I, I, I'm I, a big, I love Verlander. That's I, I don't, I don't not like Verlander. Yeah, like it's not it's like I don't like Altuve. I don't like Correa, but I don't not like Verlander, but it's the association thing. Yeah. Guilty by association for Verlander. You hear that kids don't put yourself in a position with other kids that aren't good, because even if you don't do anything, people like Peter, which is the normal, understandable person, is going to hate you. And Peter is that's a very normal and understandable response. So I'll, I'll give that thank one you, to you, Peter. And Learning I wouldn't say I hate all those kids. Wouldn't I don't hate anyone in baseball. I don't hate anyone in baseball. I love the sport too much. Yeah, it's true. But I dislike Correa and Altuve. I dislike. You know what? I hate the Red Sox. No, you know what? No, I don't. I don't even hate the Red Sox because I like a lot of the pros. I don't hate anyone. I'm more going through this in my own head. I don't hate anyone. This is this is a wild. We're in Peter's head, right? Do you hate anyone in baseball? Is that what it sounds like in your head all the time? Oh, it's way worse. Do you hate anyone in baseball? Um, do I hate anybody in or teams? You hate them. Hate is such a strong right. Yeah, there's there's like I when people love to hate players. I don't think they actually hate them, right? They just, it's somebody that you love to just, just almost agonize, shake. You almost have a love for them at that point, right? Right. Um, There's definitely, for me, I think it's more on where I have my, my gripes is more on the media side. Like there'll be certain, certain personalities where I'm like, "Mm, I don't, I do not enjoy you. I do not enjoy you. And, And it's not because I do this also or whatever. There's just some people where I'm like, what are you doing? What are you saying? Why do you do those things? But in terms of players, there's nobody that really, really, really gets me that I just, I just want that guy to just fail in every aspect of his career. Like, I think that's the most bizarre thing ever. I want I this other grown man to just fail in every aspect of his life because I don't like the way he plays and the game that I wasn't good enough to play at his level. I just, I can't get there. I can't. Get I agree. There. I do I have the certain players where I'm like, boo, like take definitely. But like when Chris Sale is pitching against the Yankees, I'm booing him. Doesn't mean I don't, you know, respect the hell out of Chris Sale and his career and potential Hall of Famer. Do you? Eh, good question. Do you think Chris Sale will make the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. He's going to have to have a couple more good seasons. Yeah. I mean, he looks like he's fine. He's just threw an immaculate inning. So I think if he continues, absolutely. 
but it, it, he's one of those guys that definitely has to do it still. Like, I agree. He's got the talent. I just don't on. know, you know, down the line when we take a final look at his career numbers and understand the impact he had, would he be a hall of famer? I don't think so. Tough. That's a, that would, that'd be one I'd have to really dive into. Fringe guy. We were fringe. talking about other fringe guys, Zach Grinky. Grinky. I, 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 I want to put Granky, putting Granky in. I'm putting, we're going to put Granky in. Yeah. Who are more? We were, this was the best conversation before we ask our last question because our last question is really short. Fringe Hall of Famers. Like Paul Goldschmidt is a guy who we were talking about. I was about. looking Paul at him. Goldschmidt will be a Hall of Famer. I, he's, here's my problem with him because I was really like, he should be. He should be. But he's 33 and just doesn't have the body of work. 1,500 hits, 270 homers, I believe, off the top of my head. Like really good numbers. But how many more seasons does he have? Right? Is he have five good seasons left? Could he play till he's 40? I mean, if he hits till he's 40, then maybe. So it, it's going to be interesting for Goldschmidt. He's going to have to age like fine wine if he gets in. I just don't know if he's going to amass the numbers uh, at the first base position, too. But if he had enough years, I 100% think he's the perfect like, candidate to be able to get in, but just not there yet. Posey for me is a fringe guy, doesn't have the body of work either, but the difference is Posey dominated on a different level. I think if you're not going to have the body of work, you have to dominate the game for several seasons, be one of the best. And that's what, that's what we saw Posey do for four years, five years where he's winning three world series, winning an MVP, winning a world series MVP. That's just a different level. And, and at catcher versus first base, that's why I think more so Posey as one of those shorter body of work guys. Uh, but we'll see. I love Goldie. Last one, Nolan Arenado hall of fame or not. Oh, tough, right? Another guy that's got to show it at St. Louis. Yeah. But his defensive prowess is so good and you can't cite cores. To, to, you know, discredit the defense. No, no, And all. most players that have that kind of defensive prowess get into the Hall of Fame with really meager offensive stats. And we've seen it. So if that's the case, I'm going to side that he's in because he's still competent offensively. And he's so incredibly, he's gotten a gold glove every single year he's been in the big league. So <laughs> if we're talking about how, how prolific he is defensively, even with his numbers a little bit down, given that we expected that, he's still over 800 OPS. He's still valuable offensively. I'm putting Arenado in. This is a fun conversation. We can, yeah, we go can on do a whole hours. episode on that. 100%. We should do an episode on that in the offseason. So last question before we wrap up. It's kind of a fun one. Asked by at R-F-U-N-Y-A-K-4 on Instagram. Who has the best mascot in baseball? I think it's hands down the Philly fanatic. No doubt about it. Um, I also like Mr. Met. I feel like Mr. Met is cool. I also like Green Willie. The, uh, you like them all. I do like, I like them. I like, I like them all except for one. I hate the Rockies. Speaking <laughs> of hate, I hate the Rockies mascot. But other than the Rockies mascot, uh, who he who will not be named, um, I, I am a big Philly fanatic guy. You know why? Because he's got that big, or he or she, I, I, is, is the Philly fanatic a male or female? I think it's a, I, is there a female Philly fanatic? I thought there was. No, I think, I think there's both. I think there is. Or is it just one? I don't know. Well, that's, that's another conversation, I guess. But <laughs> we'll the have a big, whole other podcast the episode. The big <laughs> stomach thing that they're able to just throw around and stuff. Like that's what they do to get the fans hyped up. It's just like shoot their, their stomach thing forward and just like move it around. That's sick. 
Most of the other ones don't have like a, a, a go-to thing. Billy the Marlin just walks around with a giant torpedo on his face that you could like stab people. I don't get that one. I'm not a big Billy the Marlin guy, to be honest. Um, what is the Yankees mascot? They don't have one. They don't they're one have of the few. One. They're one of the few without the Yankees. Don't have one. Can we say something real quick. The Angels have like the rally monkey. Yeah, I don't know what that is. And I think there's one more team that doesn't. The Yankees are so lame. I'm sorry. Like the organization, so yeah, lame. I mean, you can't have facial hair. No that was a George Steinbrenner thing. I know the it's the old-fashioned Steinbrenner baseball. There shouldn't be a sideshow. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> they can't that. have mustaches though. Yeah, mustaches are okay. Mustaches are okay. Yeah, but who decides that? The, the Cashman just said mustaches above the lip good, below the lip bad. I think it was a George Steinbrenner thing in the seventies. I, I know. I think that's really where it comes down from. I think George. Um, he wanted a more corporate look with his team. And so he said in the seventies, you can't have facial hair corporate because I, I like it. Look at baseball. They think corporate. And it's funny when I was working for the Yankees too, it's that's the entire thing through and through. When I have my suit on, even as a 19 year old intern, I got to be shaved, freshly shaven every single day. So it's, it's not just the players. It's every single person within that organization. It's lame as hell. I kind of like it. You like but maybe it. it's because I've grown up with it my whole life and I've yeah. become so used to it. You so like, now it's like our thing. It's oh, that's that's really cool. It may, <laughs> maybe they'll do like a dress code. What's the they probably already do? What's what's the dress code? So you got oh, you know suits. Come suits. on, baby. We're wearing. And, I was wearing a suit every single day with some of the some of my maybe not fondest memories. Even though working for the Yankees was one of the greatest things that I've ever done in my entire life, but one of the least fond memories is riding the subway 104 degrees. Oh. I'm in a full suit sweating. Like oh. you couldn't believe. Yeah. That sounds horrible. That's something I, that's not, but then again, that's not a Yankee problem. That's a New York city problem. It's just hot as hell here. It's real hot. It's real hot. Maybe that's why they say no facial hair. It's just looking out for you guys. They're actually helping. Yeah. Well, arm, this is a good one. That's arm laden eight on Twitter. I'm at Peter Apple 23. You can go give us a follow on TikTok and Instagram at just baseball fans. Also on Twitter at just BB media. And if you're listening to us on Spotify or on Apple podcasts, especially on Apple podcasts, please leave a five-star review and give us a little written note. If you're feeling up for it, we greatly appreciate it. It's the best way to support our podcast. Anything else you yes, want? Also, go go sub to the YouTube. We're on, yeah, YouTube. Sub to the YouTube. We're on at Just Baseball Media on YouTube, at Just Baseball Fans on Twitch. We're streaming Tuesday through Friday. I'm doing Wednesday and Friday. Kendall's been doing Tuesday and Thursday. Arm's going to get thrown in the mix. Uh, Javi is going to get thrown in the mix. Maybe. You you humbled me, and I don't like it anymore. But we'll Did I say Maybe. Um, I said maybe because you you knocked me around last time. I also have one really important thing. I think I just found my purpose outside of just baseball. I want to break glass ceilings. I've decided I want to make a change in this world. And I want to be the first person with facial hair to get hired by the Yankees. I want to break that glass ceiling. I want to be that that basically pioneer. Um, so we'll, that'll be the side mission for me. First, you I got to grow a decent beard. Which you just got to get out of my so you have to be such an electric media personality that they just say, screw it. Screw it. He We're can, not going to do it for judge, but we will for arm Layton. Well, Jackie Robinson had to be the best 
to crack the big league. So you're going to compare yourself to Jackie Robinson on this one. No, what, I, <laughs> what I'm saying is that's what I have to strive for is that level of greatness. And you just Branch Rickey was like, we got to win. And that guy's going to help us win. And it's unfortunate that it took that, but that's what, it's, that's what I'm going to have to do. Well, thank you so much, everybody. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.